Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm your host, Judy Gold. And this week and next, we have the incredible comic, human, and just generally nice guy, uh, John Laster. I, I really loved talking to him, uh, as I always do. He is, he's a pretty special person. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, everyone. I am very excited today because, you know, a lot of times I have people on the show who I'm not really friends with. You know, I do a lot of research on them and I learn about them on the show. And then there's like, you know, people who are part of my comedy family. You know what I'm saying, baby? Absolutely. And did you hear that voice? This is one of those guys. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't explain to non-comedians what it's like when you walk in a club, your home club, and 
we're talking about the comedy cellar, but you got all your people there. You can choose who you want to eat dinner with, who you want to hang with, who you want to sit with. And I just love this guy. He is ju- he is a member of my comedy family, ladies and gentlemen. And there's so much to talk about. He just started this app called Blap, which is an app that promotes Black-owned businesses. So you can go, I want to go to the florist. Let me go on Blap and see which florist in my area is owned by a black person. And I'm going to buy my flowers from that person because I want to help promote Black-owned businesses. And it's a brilliant idea. And it came out of John Laster, everyone. John Laster's here! Woo! (laughs) John. I love you, Judy. I love you. Listen, you bitch, you know, I do a lot of deep digs into my guests and I can really start with, you know, a little bit like with your high school years, but I can't find anything about your like elementary. Like I know you're from Denver, Colorado. You have a sister named Desiree who is an attorney. Yes. You uh, love your mother. Beyond anything, your father lived in Fort Greene, New York, right? You know what? Highland Falls. It's probably all the same thing, though. Whatever. You know what? I did whatever. And your mother, you grew up with your mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and where, like, what did your mother do? I can't find, I was looking, I was searching to try to find your mother. I can't find anything. What the fuck? Yo, uh, we are in the witness protection program. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're such an asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, really? No, but you know what? You found more than anyone else did, so that's great. Right. Well, yeah. you know. But uh, no, my mom is great. And you you were spot on. Yeah, my mom is, is literally my everything. Best day of my comedy career was uh first show we did in Denver. And I looked up and my mom was slapping her friend's arm laughing. Oh, what did you do it at the Comedy Works in Denver? No, hell no. I had just started. My brother put on a show in some theater out there. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it was great. It was still. I mean, you know, I was uh, I was uh, a hood hero, so I mean, right. a, a thousand people showed up to that joint. No fucking way. I, had, I need to be a started, hood hero. Just started comedy. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of pressure when you're in the just starting. First yeah. of all, dear everyone. No one wants to see, like, if I know you, I don't want to see you sitting in the fucking front row. Like, get away from me, okay? If you know the comic, sit in the fucking back. Especially if we went to high school together and you're, and because you're on stage trying to, like, be in the moment. And then you're like, oh, my God, it's so-and-so from high school. Fuck. And then you're like, oh, are they laughing at that? Like, get the fuck away from the front fucking row. Yeah. Um, and don't send me a note before the show that you're in the audience. Like, I don't, I don't want to know who's in the fucking audience. Okay. Really don't. So, John, you grew up in Denver. What was your early childhood like? My early childhood. I mean, it was good. It's going to sound crazy when I explain it, but, but I mean, you kind of just you go with uh, with with your environment. But I mean, by the time I was a teenager, like. The I've been making a joke about it on stage. The Denver that I grew up in isn't the Denver that that people 
when when people say the word Denver, the picture that pops in their head isn't where I grew up. I grew up in a a drive by gang bang dope dealing. There was a, there was this there was a uh, there's a, a rapper back in the day named DJ Quick, and he you can Google it. It's a song called Just Like Compton, but he's talking about he's on this tour and he's going to these cities that he didn't know had these pockets of insanity. And the last verse is Denver is just like Compton. But the crazy part about that is then the next verse, the only city after that that he says it about. So then he he goes after Denver in the next verse. He says, Denver wants to be like Compton. Denver was so bad, they ran on stage and grabbed this rapper off stage. It was my boys, Fat Mike and them. Fat Mike ended up getting shot in Atlanta. But it was the, the guys from the, the neighborhood that I was from. The east side used to be the bad part of Denver. I, was, I grew up in East Village, but even people on the east side wouldn't come to the East Village. So you grew up in a p- particular area called the East Village. Yeah, well, Five Points is what most people- Five Points. Yeah, when people go to De- go to Denver, they're like, oh, I heard Five Points was this, that, the other. It was- Right. But it was so bad that the United States around the whole country at one point in time decided this- Keeping people in certain areas didn't work. So they tore down Cabrini Green. They tore right. down the projects from The Wire in Baltimore. Right. Where I grew up was the, was the projects they tore down. We were the Cabrini Green of Denver. We wow. Were, they bulldozed it. They bulldozed the hospital. They bulldozed the elementary school um, where I used to play basketball. We were we were that that area when America was like, let's tear down the worst of the worst and then, you know, get these people resituated. We were we were we were we got bulldozed in Denver. How old were you when you got bulldozed? I had just left for college. So I lived through the part that they wanted to bulldoze and then they were like, get this out. Let's pretend this didn't happen. So did you have an apartment? Yeah, we lived in an apartment. And was it dangerous? Like, did you feel, I mean, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, living in New York, like there are what we call projects yeah, all around me. And then, you know, and then there's Central Park West with Richie. It's like, literally, it's unbelievable. Like uh, a block away, they just built these like $5 million two bedroom condos with balconies and literally looking at one of the projects, you know, Um, you know, so it's not as separate here in New York as, so you were, I mean, were you ever scared? Like as a little kid, were you like, Oh, this is where I live. And this is just a part of my, as a, you know what, to, to, to be honest, there were moments that I was scared because it's, it's a different culture than New York. So there's drive-bys in Denver. So I was shot right. at. I was shot at a number of times. So when how you, old were you? Oh God! The first time I got shot at, maybe twelve. What the fuck? That's awful. So yeah, what were you time. doing? Were you just walking down the street? Yeah, you know what? I was following these these some friends of mine. They were like, "Yo, man, these dudes up the street was talking shit." You know what I mean? So yeah. I was, oh, you know, they were older than us. These guys are probably fourteen or fifteen, and they was like, "Yo, we gonna go fuck them up." So I just wanted to see what was going on, you know. So I'm following right. them, and then these guys start shooting. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa!" So that was probably the first time I got shot at. Yeah, we were walking up this street, and then the, and these dudes just start 
you know, they started letting off rounds. But I mean, I was shot at a number of times. Not at you. Like, did they want to hit you or they just wanted to scare you? I think they were shooting at us. No fucking way. Yeah, I think they were shooting at us. But I mean, I've been shot. I mean, as you got older, you got shot at more times. But I mean, with that being said, I was also, by the time I was 14, 15, in a little bit of a bubble because I was the hood athlete. Because you played basketball, right. It doesn't matter what city, wherever you live in America, if you're the hood athlete, you are completely off off limits. And I remember a guy pointed a gun at me one time. We were on the court. This this Hyundai pulled in. This dude pulls, pulls a gun out the window. And my boys, you know, everybody's on the court like, yo, you see him standing here. Like, we can do this later. Right. Like, not right now. And, I, and my boy, Day-Day, <laughs> he was a psycho. He runs and jumps on top of the car. The car, like, donuts, because they, they want to get out of there now. Right. So they're shooting through the roof and Fucking nick the side of Daddy's hand before he flew off the car. Like it was, it was that type of sometimes those type of tense moments. But there was a lot of the things that were happening. I didn't, I was never asked to pull a trigger or never asked to be in harm's way. As a matter of fact, even when my friends did dirt, a lot of times they would come and knock on my door and say, Hey man, because I would shoot at night, you know, because there would be little kids like, Hey, aren't you John Lasser? Could I right. play you? Um so I would shoot at night when kids couldn't come over there so I could get my workout in. And uh, and there were some nights that they would knock on the door and say, hey, John, don't don't be on the court tonight. Wow. Yeah, tonight's not the night. So from before, when did you form your love of basketball? I mean, like uh, you have a brother and a sister, right? Yep. Um, did you all live in the same apartment, apartment with your mom? Yes. Were your parents divorced? Were they were yeah, my parents got divorced when I was five, and that's how we ended up in Denver. My aunt was also getting divorced. So my mom and my aunt moved, you know, they were like, Yeah, fuck y'all, we're going to Denver. And uh, and my mom was like, My aunt was moving to Denver. She had money, so my mom was like, Yeah, I'll try something, you know, new. And they packed up and moved to Denver. And do you remember the when your parents were together and where your Yeah. It was like um you know, it was like Mayberry, you know, it was, right. a house, it was a house in Newburgh, New York, you know, right. the, the dog and the two cars in the driveway. And the, you know what I mean? It was white picket fence shit. And then, you know, they got divorced and we ended up um, shortly thereafter in the hood in Denver. So up till five, it's like, you know, nothing of this kind of no shooting all this shit and what did your father do was he did your parents work no my my dad worked for the for um disabled i think wardens of the state Mm -hmm. of new york so he managed houses where they kept these kids yeah upstate wow yeah all right so your mother takes the kids and leaves yes do you not do you keep in contact with your father yeah you know what you keep in contact with him until you're until you're coming into your, your you know, manhood, your so to speak. Yeah. So maybe till around 10. And then and then it then it becomes a little bit of the opposite. Right. Kind of like, yo, fuck him. You know what I right. mean? Growing yeah. up with you growing up with a bunch of guys who don't have fathers. So, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you gotta figure out what you're gonna do. And I remember my dad called me probably when I was like eleven. And we talked, and he was like, yeah, you know, basically, just so you know, I'm not paying for your college. 
And uh, and that's when my I wanted I actually wanted to skate. I wanted to speed skate. Then I wanted to play football. We couldn't afford the pads because the pads were like a hundred dollars or something. My mom was like, I don't have no hundred dollars. And I was like, Yeah, we don't have no hundred dollars. So she got me a basketball, which was like nine bucks, right? Um, ten dollars. And uh, and and you know, you, you know what's so crazy about the basketball thing? I never told this story either. <laughs> my mom, I get on this basketball team, right? I hate. How that. old are you? How old are you? I'm I'm. I'm now I am 12. Okay. And I hate basketball. So why do you hate basketball? I didn't want to play basketball. Right, right, right. Okay. I was. It was just something my mom said, you got to do something. Right, right, right. Smart woman. Smart woman. Yeah. Sign up for the team. You're going to stick with it, whatever, whatever. I hated basketball. So I said, okay. So I signed up for the team, right? And then practice is two days a week at this rec center. Um, and I, so what I would do is I would put on my basketball stuff, right? Hey mom, I'm going to practice. Never went to practice. Uh, My mom at the time, keep in mind, has three jobs. So it doesn't matter. She's not going to know when I'm right. 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 So finally, one day she said, Oh, you're not going to believe this. I have off work Saturday. I'm going to come to your game. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Judy, I have never been back to that, to that center. Ever. So we talking about like five or six months. Right. So I was like, oh my God. First of all, imagine the trouble I'm going to be in. And she finds out I've been lying right. for five or six months straight. She says, I'll be there at the game Saturday. What time is the game? And I said, oh, don't, you know, I got to get the schedule. You know, I, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know. So I find out what time the game is. My mom's coming to the game. I'm panicking. My friends, good friends and neighbors, really good basketball players, they were on the team. And they loved me. So they were like, hey, bro, I tell you what, just come to the game, walk in the locker room. We'll see what happens. Because the thing was, like I said, I lived in the hood. So the coach coach is a full-blown alcoholic. He doesn't really know who's on the team. So they give out the jerseys. Who's number six? Who's number seven? They get to 15, which is the last jersey. Nobody says anything. I was like, oh, that's me. (laughs) So I put the I put the little shirt on with the number on the back, and I sat there on the end of the bench. And then eventually, my boys, you know, good basketball players, they were cool with the coach. And like I said, he comes in, and I mean, he's he's hammered during the game. Wow. I don't think he remembers any of the game. Right. So they said, "Yo, you forgot to put John in." So I get in the game. My mom was happy, and I was so scared. Were you bad? I was horrible. I was so scared that she was going to come back, that I stayed. And that- That is fucking crazy. And that's Did you crazy. feel guilt? Didn't you feel guilty? None whatsoever. <laughs> Not at all. But I really? kept going, after that, I was like- Not Jewish! <laughs> I would have been like, oh my God. Didn't she say how was basketball practice? And you'd be like, yeah, it was fine, whatever. Yeah, getting better, whatever. But after that, I was like, every practice, I was there after that. And then, you know, the rest is history. Hey, everyone. Did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. 
Fast growing trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did? is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. Were you a good student? No. Not that interested in high school. In, in grammar school, were you? I mean, I mean, all of my all of my teachers always said the same thing. You know, this is maybe Oh, problem. same. I know what it's gonna be. Yeah. As an apply himself. Yes. Right. Maybe smartest guy in here but uh, right you know if he would apply himself i you know now if i could go back and say i don't know have you heard of adhd because i'm so have every one of the fucking symptoms thank you but um so you're in school you, you you have this group of friends all guys i'm assuming yeah um and you go to denver east high school yeah so after you're 12 years old you start going to this practice you get to high school when do you get good like when do you say when do you become the the hood athlete and is your aunt near you is your aunt and her kids near you or yeah but you know what the thing was my aunt was a psychoanalyst my aunt was i think one of two or three psychoanalysts in the history of america like she was really really brilliant woman but I think that this is going to be tough to say, but I almost felt like all when I was younger that they, because they had money, that they were better than us. So once we moved out, because we all moved into the same house when we first got to Denver, and then we were there around nine months, 10 months. And then, you know, they were like, all right, you know, take care. Yeah, take yeah. care. So we moved. But once we moved, like, you know, they would always be like, hey, come see us. And we'd be like, hey, come see us sometimes. We come see you guys all the time. And then, like I said, by the time you, you know, I don't know, by the time you're 10, 11 years old is when I became very uh, defiant to say that. Oppositional, 
Right. I was, I was, I stayed in trouble. I got kicked out of elementary school. Um, what did you do? Fighting. Oh, I was violent. I was always punching people. Um, just punching guys. And, did you uh, think, wh- what do you think you were angry about? I think I was angry about where we had landed. Right. Cause you had this perfect life yeah. and then you, and it's still in your face. Cause your aunt and cousins yeah. are having a per and you're in a shit show. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I was just like ragingly bitter about it. And, uh, yeah. and what about your siblings? Were they, they didn't, they never took it as hard. They still don't. Are they older than you? My brother's younger. My sister's, uh, my sister's a year older, my brother's mm-hmm. younger, but they, they were, they never had the, the, uh, the chip on there. It was more than a chip. I was a, I was a, I was an angry young guy. Um, but they still spoke to my dad, still spoke to his family. They still, my sister till my aunt died, spoke to my aunt, my brother did. And she would always ask them, hey, how's Jonathan do? How's Jonathan do? You know, I hear this, that, the other. And, and they would be like, you know, that motherfucker don't speak to none of y'all. Right. You're such a mama's boy that anybody that in any way disaffected my mom is dead to me. You know, that's so interesting because I always say the curse of the comic is that we're so hyper aware, you know? And I see things sometimes that I'm like, why did I have to see that? Why did I have to notice that? Why do I have to be aware of that? And it sounds like you were so fucking aware of what was going on. And I often think like, why aren't you pissed off about like, you know, you see me on stage. I'm like, I get so aggravated over like, I'm like, you fucking like, how can you not be? completely, you know, freaking pissed off about this. Yeah. I don't understand that. And yet it's like you were the one that was carrying the, don't you fucking see what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. And your brother or sister didn't get into any trouble. No. As a matter of fact, I stopped getting into trouble because my mom, after I got kicked out of, sixth grade, I ended up going to this other school. My mom had to fight them to public schools to keep me in public schools. Um, she, she, she gets into it. I was so bad. This is a true story. I got, I get thrown out of sixth grade, right? My mom gets into it, them in public schools and finds some loophole where they have to essentially legally go out of their way to find a way to accommodate me. So my mom <laughs> makes them get me my own school bus to take me to another school. <laughs> I love that. So I used to ride my own bus to another school in the suburbs. So I go to- So the- is the other school completely opposite from the school you'd been going to? Oh yeah. I mean, it's these white kids got money. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's way out in the suburbs. And my, and my mother- so by the time I'm done with sixth grade, I'm in seventh grade. My mother sits me down and she said, you know, your brother hasn't gotten any trouble since you left. So it, it dawned on me. He was doing. He's following you. You're the older brother. Yeah. And that's when I stopped. I didn't, wow. want, I didn't want him to do that. So I was like, you know what? That was enough for me to never, ever end up in the principal's office again. So you're in middle school at this 
Now I'm in rich white kids school. Are there any? Well, was, that's that's how I finished sixth grade, and then I went to middle school, and that. Oh, okay. Time, so now, now I'm in middle school, seventh grade, is when she comes to the game, and now I got to start going to really going to practice. Right, right, and right. That's right. when the basketball kicked in. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you go into practice, you get to Denver East High School. Yeah. And do you try out for the team? Is that? Yes. But I, but I, again, you know, I have that same, you know, whatever, uh, anger boiling through me. And I, and I, so what would happen is I, I didn't go to class. I failed out. The, the new coach comes in at the end of my, they hire a new coach who's going to come in the year that I'm failing out of school. Which, what, what year was that? Freshman, sophomore? End of my freshman year. Okay. I'm like 14 time, but the coach as part of his contract, he said, you can't put him out. I'll take the contract, but that guy has to stay in public schools. Wow. And and Coach Loman, you know, little Jewish guy, he's like my dad. Yeah. So, yeah, Coach Loman. That's the Jew bell, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Co- uh, Coach Lo- and Loman's, by the way, for any Jews who are listening... Do you know what Lowman's, what is this department store that yeah. all, yes, that they all went, I used to go and they had a fucking dressing room where all the women, it was like mirrors all over and they would just fucking get naked and throw their, sh- and it was like every fucking Jewish woman was at Lowman's and they bought, it was the Lowman's, when it closed on the Upper West Side, it was like, yeah. Yeah. People sat shiva. But anyway, so Willie Lowman's, hey now. Um, so your coach sort of sees your talent and is like, I'm not going to coach this team without this guy. Yeah. He was brutal. He was, but, but out of love or out of, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But like I said, coaches, he's really like, when, if you say anyone who's having a conversation now and they say dad, the, He's what pops in my head. That's crazy. Yeah. I love, so. He's the guy I've gone to since I was, since I was 14. So did you have this personal, did you go to his house? Was he like. Oh yeah. Okay. He taught me to drive, how to shave, how to drive. I had to work at his bar during the summertime because he was like, you're not going to be down there. You know what that's right. Now that's going to end up. Um, so yeah, man, I, everything. Did he do this for any of the other kids? No, no, he had, he he was, you know what? He was close to my brother, but I think that he just, I don't know. Maybe he saw something of himself in you. Yeah. Did, um, he have his own kids? Yes. He had a daughter. She, yeah. And she and I are super cool, super close now too. She just, she just had a kid. John, I love this story. Yeah, Brooke just had a kid. Yeah. Brooke Loman? Yes. What well, was his last name is Burkoff now? Oh, she married a Jew. Yeah. Um, what so what was the what was his first name? It's Burkoff. Jack. Jack Loman. Yeah. Is he, he still the, alive? We have the same initials. Yeah, he is still alive. And he lives in Denver? Yes. Hi, Jack. um oh my god i love that so what it's it's kind of like to serve with love i'm just like loving this you know like you don't you think you hit the jackpot as far as 
having this father figure and Jackpot, no pun intended. <laughs> oh yeah, Jackpot! Oh my god! The brilliance of John Laster seeing that. But I mean, there was some divine intervention there that Oh, absolutely. Yo, I also had some some teachers too who during this down the stretch, Mr. Yeah, Mr. Meek, uh, uh Miss Anderson, Mr. Downer. Like I had three of my teachers at the end of my senior year. That was also divine intervention who essentially rearranged their schedules for the day because I had a teacher who was failing me. Right. I got an F in this class. Back then you had to have a 2.0. Otherwise you were prop 48, which means you couldn't go straight to D1. You had to go to a GCO first, which would have been a, a nightmare. Right. Um, but I had teachers who taught me in their off periods to make sure that that F didn't bring me below a 2.0 so I could go to Minnesota. And they that is too, so amazing. And they too were lifesavers. But yeah, I mean, coach really, man, like so many, there's so many things that he was just like, this is, you, you, this is the course you're going to have to, you know, and I mean, from the time he got there, he was, he, he you know, he, you know, I remember there was a game one time we were playing in the summer league, right in the finals for, for Colorado. And, uh, and it's a double elimination tournament. So you have to lose twice before you're out of the tournament. We hadn't lost any games all summer, right? We get to the finals. We beat this team. Tournament's over. They already had one loss, right? They beat us. First of all, my coach comes over to the, to the, to the house to bring in some new shoes. Right. Before the game, he said, hey, man, I'm just bringing you some shoes. My girlfriend's sitting on the couch. So he looks and he's like, hey, man, we got a game today. I don't know if you should be doing this. Right. Whatever, coach, you know, so we get out there uh, for the finals. We lose by 20. Oh, right. That's only one loss. So you rest for an hour. Then you play again. And I remember, coach, this is the type of guy coach was. We're all sitting there. We come in there after the game. So when he says, hey, guys, you know, we weren't defending. We weren't doing this. And then he just stops all the time. He said, you know what? It's his fucking fault. <laughs> you want to know why we lost this son of a bitch is sitting at home with his girlfriend he's not focused before the game he's about to cost you a fucking championship everybody get out of here you sit here by your fucking self and you figure out how to win that game or you're walking home <laughs> that was it and you won we won by one point at the buzzer oh my god you me. know they found me on an alley going up Two free throws. And you were probably like, fuck it. Thank you for fouling me. You know, uh, you know, as a, mo a basketball mom, I remember those fucking tournaments. And it's like, when, you know, oh, we're either playing at 4.30 and 7.30 or we're just playing at 4. And, and if we win at 4, then we're going to play at 8. And if we don't, you know, and it was just like, you didn't know when you were checking out of the fucking hotel, yeah. when you were leaving, how late you were staying, you know. Yeah.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you were on, you were playing basketball and you were on the AAU, right? Yeah. You know, a lot of kids, I don't know if people realize this, end up leaving their public schools and going to prep schools to get them ready for college division one, which is what my son did. And a lot of people do, but you stayed at Denver East, right? Yeah. A and- lot of people, they, they, a lot of people had tried to get me to move to New York, move back to New York. Right. Yeah. Including you, my including my dad. Yeah. He like, hey, I heard that. Yeah. That's the NBA. He said, yeah, he said he asked you to come and you said, I'm not leaving my mother. Yeah. Um. So these coaches are all, are they're all coming to see, I mean, it's usually in the AAU games is when they're all coming to fucking see you in the yeah. summertime. So I played in an AAU tournament. My coach sent me to, so coach sends me down to, 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 play in this AAU tournament, right? And I remember I, I talked to him on the phone. I said, he said, how's it going? And I said, oh, good, man. I had, you know, I had, I think I told him I had like 16, nine assists and nine rebounds. And I'll never forget this. Um, he said, I don't give a fuck about your rebounds, your assists, your defense. He said, you score, score, score. Right. And he said, that's all they're looking for out there. They'll sort through the rest of it after they get you. You show them that you can score the basketball, right? And, you know, these games, you play like four games a day. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, that was game number three, I think, that day. And it's in, an, it's in a big arena. So there's like four basketball Full courts. courts, yeah. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're, and there's games going on. Yes. All time to- and people with pads. Yes. These fucking guys with their fucking. Yes. And then yes. they'll they're watching the game and then they go, they look in, they look up you yes. up and that you know and I because as a mother you're sitting there going, after your kid makes a basket you're like looking to see who's looking up his name yes. and yet on the fucking roster yeah. Well, the coaches are spread all around these four courts and I walk back in there with that what coach had told me in my head. Show them you can score. And when I tell you I am killing these poor kids and four courts, right? You see all the coaches slide. Come over to your court. Now, by the end of my game, all the coaches are right on our court. And, and I remember the, uh, the other coach coming over and, uh, and stopping and looking at me and saying, hey, man, we threw everything we had at you. Um, and I was like, yeah, well, you know, my coach told me to show him I could, you know, but he was spot on. Right. The hell with all that other nonsense. Just give them the business. And that's what I did. And after that, you know, my mailbox filled up with letters and I was, I was on my way to D1. So I find this, you know, as a performer and then having a son who's plays basketball, like, you know, it's a stage. The basketball court is a fucking stage. You got an audience and you have to bring it home. Like you have to, and a lot of things are out of your control. 
how did you learn how to focus? How did you learn how to shut all the noise off? And just when Ben tells me the shit they say to each other on the court. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was telling, I was at a game yesterday. I was at the giants game and, and my buddy, Mark Theobald's cousin was in the back. He played football and he literally asked me, he said, Hey man, Football coaches will say anything to you. He said, John, right. you play basketball at, at the highest college level. Was it like that for basketball? And I said, oh, God, yeah. I remember my college coach one time, check this out. We got in trouble. It's a true story. We, I'm playing at Minnesota, right, uh, for the Gophers. And we go to the Timberwolves games. Because at that level, when you play at that level, every team has alumni that are in the NBA. Right. Every one. You know, you're playing, every team's got a number of people that are in it. So one of our buddies who had graduated before we got there, playing for the Timberwolves, he said, yo, I'll leave y'all some tickets, come down, hang out. Of course, the Timberwolves were terrible, right? We go to the game. The game is so out of touch that me and my friend Townsend are asleep at the end of the game. God. They show us on the 10 o'clock. No way! In Minneapolis, saying that the Timberwolves were so bad that the Gophers fell asleep at the game. Oh my God! Back at the dorm, chilling. Phone rings. Hey, man, it's one of the one of the assistants. Uh, coach just saw you guys on the news. We were like, Oh yeah, man. Okay, sorry about that. You know, so right. he said, No, he wants to see you over at the gym. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh fuck! Yes, we get over to the gym. The equipment manager is there. He hands us bags. You guys should get dressed. Keep in mind, it's like 1145 at night. Okay. Yo, he sits a chair down in the middle of Williams Arena with a newspaper and and, and sends us running. Sprinting. We're up in the balcony just running and running oh, and running. Oh, my God. I hope you some bitches die. <laughs> I hope you fall and die. I'll tell your mother, I'm sorry she ever had your sorry ass. And, he, and my boys in the back, like, oh, basketball coach? I was like, yeah. you should tell us. I hope you die. You're the worst. Children. Oh, my God. Your mothers are too sweet for your sorry asses. Um, and luckily, one of my boys threw up. And that saved us, you know, because he's sitting there reading the paper. Okay, take your ass back. And if you're not going to go to the game, you don't want to be, you can't stay awake for the goddamn game. John, you threw the ball away five times in practice in the first 10 minutes. You couldn't learn nothing at an NBA game. Oh, he let us have it. Yeah. And, I, and no one's so crazy. I never went back to a goddamn Timberwolves game. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I, 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 even in high school, Ben had this one coach when he was at, in high school in, in New York. We used to laugh. The things he said to these kids. We're so mean. And then <laughs> and then after the game, love you guys. I love you guys so much. I love yeah. and it was like yeah. you wanna play you wanna play this sport? Yeah. Because I have some jacks in the other room. Maybe you can play that. You know, like and it was just like I, I was just wondering how how stupid are you? How yeah. t- and I'm like, is he allowed to do this? And I'm like, Ben, don't you get upset? And he's like, No, he doesn't mean it. And it's just like calling them retards and stuff oh, yeah. like a heart. Are you retarded? And it's like, yeah. you're not even allowed to say that word anymore. Well, I, um, I don't know what these coaches can get away with now, but they, but yeah, they could say anything. I remember it was so bad. There was a coach. There was a coach um, 
that they said grabbed one of his players by the balls. Oh, God. Yeah. His name, this coach was infamous, Bobby Knight. Oh, I know Bobby Knight. You think I don't fucking know Bobby Knight throwing the chairs? We used to watch him, and I was like, that. What the fuck is wrong with it? I mean, that was a show in itself. Yes. Yeah. So Bobby Knight grabs this guy's nuts. And I remember that that was news. And I remember, I still remember at the time thinking to myself, <laughs> when that was news, Coach had just punched the guy on our team. Not only did he punch him, he punched him while he was back right. away. <laughs> oh. My God. He was so mad. He punched Kev because we had got embarrassed on TV, on ABC. And Coach was fuming. He said, if you some bitches think you're going back to the dorm to chase some women, you're out of your motherfucking mind. Right. So we get back off of this plane into the arena, get them dressed. Oh, boy. Yes. And I remember Kev was backpedaling. He's still mad from from this game. (laughs) Punched him in the chest, and I remember them saying that Bobby Knight had grabbed. I was like, "Coach, just punch somebody!" Like, this right? That's nothing. He just—he literally punched this dude in the chest. You know, Bobby Knight, because my son Henry went to IU, and he's like, just people just had posters of him still up. Yeah. You know, like a legend, and he was so abusive. So abusive. He was so abusive. Larry Bird left there. Yeah. People forget that Larry Bird had signed with him. And then he went to Indiana State because yeah. he couldn't take it. Yeah. Larry um, Bird was a tough motherfucker. And fucking great basketball player. Yeah. Um, so you go to Minnesota and your high school coach says to you that you should stay with whatever college you pick. Yes. You know, just wait it out. You picked. And, and where did you get offers from? And why did you pick Minnesota? <sighs> coach. You know, the coach at, at, at Minnesota, Coach Haskins, he's, you know, these these guys, if they sell your mom, that's where you're oh, going. Oh, yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. They And they really, they sit there. I'm really good, and I really see what you, and you're like, and all you want to do is, is he going to play? Is he going to play? Is he going to play? Is he going to sit on the bench? Is he going to play, yeah. or is he going to sit on the bench? Yeah. You know? And the um, the other thing, too, was to be honest with you, I didn't know anything about college basketball. Right. So I used to get so many letters that the post office in Denver was like, these letters are, we're never going to catch up giving you these letters. So what we'll do is we'll fill the box up every day. And then on Sunday, we'll bring you what's left in this big plastic thing. We'll just dump it all in there. So on Sundays, it would be on the porch. So we would bring that in. Right. Brother would sort through it. This is the no pile. This is the consider pile. Right. I think you should go pile. And here's why. So between my brother and my mom, they kind of, you know, that's how I ended up in Minnesota. So you go to Minnesota and you leave after the first year. Why? And go to Colorado State. Now, why did you leave after the first year? You you want to play, right? Right. So... I mean, and, you, and you're versed enough because you've been through this now. Yeah. You know that the head assistant, when a basketball game is going on, is the guy giving out the minutes and the guy who did the first round of recruiting. So he right. brings you to the attention of the head coach. So the head assistant has way more influence on who's playing 
and who's coming into a college than people think. Right. So if you're cool with the head assistant, you're going to play, period. If you think of a, 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 a basketball team as a pride, as a lion pride, anybody who's watched two documentaries on lions know that if a new lion comes into that pride, he's killing the cubs. Right. He wants his cubs. Right. To, to, his, to be his offspring. So the last thing you want as a college athlete is for the assistant that brought you in to leave. And he left. Stands up, starts crying, and says, looks right at me. Because the other guys have been there for years now. Right, right. You don't want to be in that first year and have the guy who's going to be vouching for you. Right. No matter what. He's come to your high school games, several of them. The head coach doesn't have time for that. Right, so right. The guy knows what you can do, even if it doesn't seem like it right now. Coach Brown stands up, starts crying, says he's leaving. So, of course, we in the hallway crying like, God damn it, I am in trouble now. So I get on the phone. Keep in mind at the time, there's also uh, uh that second year when the new coach got there had brought in, cause I was there a year and a half. So it was the second year that I'm there after coach Brown had left the first year, second year I'm there, new coach comes in and he's bringing in his high people. School, high yeah. school American from Detroit. Right. He, he's from Detroit. He's bringing in a guy from Detroit that he wants to play. So I call Colorado state coach Jackson's at Colorado state. My guy, John, you know, when the head assistant leaves, you know, that's hell on earth. You know, I'm the head assistant here. That won't happen to you here. Come on back to Colorado State. So that's how I ended up back at Colorado State. And then I get to Colorado State. And the coach hates you. The head coach hates me. What he and I, I, when I tell you, we couldn't have been more opposite human beings. You know, this is some Mormon guy from Utah who literally tucks his, his shirt into his underwear. Oh, God. I'm not, I'm not even... <laughs> And don't no. they have fake underwear too? So they have like double underwear. Yeah. Dude, he, he, he tucks his shirt into his tidy whities Me and this guy couldn't have been, we despise one another, but me and the head assistant are 10 toes in a sock. So I just get there. You got to sit for a year, right? right. And transfer. And what's uh, that called? Red shirting? Red shirting. Yeah. Yeah. So I come in, I'm, I'm, I'm Richard. You got to sit for a year. Woo! Yeah. yeah. So at the end of the year, we have a banquet every year where the boosters come, the team gets together. And the head assistant who had brought me to Colorado State, Coach Jackson, stands up, starts crying. Oh, God, with the crying again. Yeah. And says, I got to, I took another job at Stanford. And he's looking right at me. So my teammates start crying because they were like, this has never happened to anyone. Right, right. And it's happened twice to you in a fucking year. Because keep in mind, most assistants are with this head coach their whole career. Right. Every once in a while, you have a really great team like Duke or somebody where the head assistants keep going to get head coach. But right. most of these basketball coaches are with their head coach their whole career. If not, even if they're not there their whole career, by the time you make it to head assistant, you're there for at least... 15, 20 years. Right. Because these guys coach 30, 40 years apiece. Some of them even more. But twice in two years. Like, even my teammates started balling like, what just happened to this guy? 
And you're probably thinking, like, how the fuck does this happen to me twice? Well, I knew I was done. You're not going to, you're, it's, it's, I think of it like this, Judy, and, and you can relate to this as well as anybody. You're, you are a comedy legend. Oh, epic purport. No, really, it is what it is. But imagine if you're working in a club, Judy, with it, it, it would almost be like trying to survive five club bookers. Right. Or you're on a show uh, and then they fire the executive producer and they bring a new executive producer and head writer in. And it's like, bye. Like, yes, happens to all the fuck. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and you're like, like, oh my god! Yeah, brought in a new showrunner. Right, you're not going to survive that. And then imagine if it happened to you twice in two years. Oh my god! Now, did you ever call Jack Loman and say and and say what the fuck should I do? He and I I had already bumped heads at that point in time because we didn't really speak for almost like we barely spoke for almost two years because he. From the time I was, you know, going into the, you know, the, the time where you're going to have to sign something and go somewhere um, in that junior year is when everybody signs before they get to their senior. Right. So he was begging me. He was like, you got to go to Pepperdine. Oh. Uh, Pepperdine. Because right. Because his best friend was the head coach at Pepperdine. Right. So he was like, you know, if you're not playing, I can get on the phone. You know, I can call this guy. Right, right. Yeah. And I didn't. And and I, you know, I was young. You know, mom likes this guy. My brother said this thing. And I'll be honest, I went to Pepperdine and I felt so uncomfortable because these this is these are the richest kids. I've oh, ever please. Seen. Yeah. There's Porsches, Rolls Royces. That's not right. where I'm from. I just felt so uncomfortable. Right. But he I think he I think that hurt him. And then and then you're calling him. From a place that he has no control. Right, right. I yeah. This is why I told you to go to Pepperdine. Mm-hmm. It's true because the 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 high school coaches, your cheerleader, they have their own connections, yeah. and they know that they can, you know, fight for you or tell you what's going on or have some yeah. inside scoop for you. Yeah. Yes. And once you say no, and they're like, well. Fuck it. I have, you know, I don't know this person. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the incredible John Laster. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Brittany Joe Sowards. If you have not subscribed uh, to the show, really? I mean, I've talked to friends of mine who are like, oh yeah, I need to subscribe. Just fucking subscribe, please. And please leave a review. Five stars only. Five stars only. I'm still fuming about my my Uber rating. And I'm literally, people, it's like, hi, how are you? Be like, And when I leave the Uber, I'm like, okay, be safe, take care. And I tip really well. Like, I can't. Okay, so Uber... I want my rating. They shouldn't even be able to rate you. Okay, anyway, that's that's my my bit pet peeve today. Tomorrow, tomorrow night, I will be performing an hour at the Fat Black Pussycat. That's right, the Fat Black Pussycat. It's part of the Comedy Cellar, and I'm going to be trying out new material because I'm going to do another album. That's right, girls and gentlemen, and they thems. 
FYI, if you are in the New York area, March 10th, I'll be at City Winery. On March 12th, I'll be at the Raz Room in New Hope, Pennsylvania, which I love. And March 26th, I'll be at the Savoir Theater in uh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Check out my website, judygold.com, for any upcoming giggies and dateies. You know, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, motherfuckers. Kids made me go on TikTok. So I'm at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at Judy Gold, J-E-W, you know, because I'm a Jew, as I've mentioned. Every, if you're still listening, by the way, I love you. I fucking love you. I don't know who you are, but I love you. I want to say Sarah Palin is an asshole for being in New York City with COVID, with a positive COVID test, and then just going out gallivanting and eating out. She is a fucking asshole. So not a fan and get out of my city. You know what I'm saying, baby? I hope everyone is boosted. I hope we can stop wearing masks at some point because I can't fucking take it anymore. But I'm going to still wear it. I double mask on the subway. Not a fan of the subway lately. Not not really feeling safe on the subway. Subway. Uh, we got a lot of work to do in this country. But um, hopefully we'll do it. And things will get better. So that's all I have to say right now. I just I want to thank you all so much for listening. Um, please tell your friends about the podcast. Because honestly, I make no money from this. The only way... I can pay for uh, all the expenses of the podcast is if you subscribe and then I do an ad and then the more people who listen, you know, I get a few more cents and uh, I can pay for the editing. You know, there's a lot that goes in this producing and editing and social media. So, yeah, don't think this is all just sitting around talking people. All right. That's all I have to say to you. I love you all. Take it easy. And uh, as we always say, so long.